Parish. It's Thursday, June 16th, and this is, of course, the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me, got Sam Vecini with me, and we're now just one week away from the 2016 NBA draft. And among the biggest stories, if not the biggest story, is uh, that Ben Simmons uh, has refused to date uh, to work out for or speak with the Philadelphia 76ers. Sam, I want to start with you. And I guess we've known since the lottery was finalized with the Sixers picking first and the Lakers picking second. Uh, that this was a likely scenario, that Ben Simmons would prefer to be in L.A. for a variety of reasons. It's the Lakers instead of the Sixers. It's L.A. instead of Philly. And I don't mean that as a shot at Philly, but if you're going to be young and wealthy, like L.A. is a hell of a great place to live. Uh, That's why more young and wealthy people live in L.A. than uh, Philadelphia. Uh, He can get bigger endorsement deals as a Laker than a Sixer. There's a whole bunch of reasons for Ben Simmons to prefer to be an L.A. Laker uh, than a Philadelphia 76er. So I think we've always known this was a possibility that he might try to force his hand and get to L.A. But we now know because uh, for certain, because in the past couple of days, Brian Colangelo has acknowledged that to date they haven't been able to do anything with Ben Simmons. Here's my question for you. If you were the Sixers and you had convinced yourself Ben Simmons is the best prospect in this NBA draft, uh, would the fact that he won't deal with you prior to the draft uh, make you move off him and go to Brandon Ingram? Well, as someone who lives in Los Angeles and is young and has no uh, illusions of wealth at this point, uh, I can definitely confirm to you that living in Los Angeles is a very good time. Having said now, that, now ima- imagine, good. imagine if you were wealthy, how great it would be. Oh my God, just be incredible. Uh, <laughs> live in the Hollywood Hills and just, you know, have the greatest view and hang out. It'd be great. Having said that, I think Ben's going to end up in Philadelphia. Uh, it really wouldn't change my opinion on any of this at all, to be clear. It, it's just that, uh, yeah, there are some concerns, I guess, about Ben in the circumstance that maybe he uh, isn't necessarily the best effort guy or maybe he doesn't have a desire to be great. And I think that actually some of that is legitimate. I think there are concerns about all of it. Uh, having said that, though, this Philadelphia team has more familiarity with Ben than I think a majority of any other NBA franchises would because of the familiarity that Brett Brown has with the family, uh, with his father, and he knows Ben already. So. I'm not super concerned at this stage if I'm Philadelphia that he's not coming in for a workout or that he uh, maybe does a he still hasn't worked out with Los Angeles either. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point next week Ben Simmons has a secret Los Angeles workout scheduled uh, and they try and force the way there whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. I think that he's going to end up in Philadelphia. He's going to be happy to go. Number one, there's not really going to be a holdout situation and just uh, everything's going to be fine. Brandon Ingram will end up at two and it'll be, it'll be fine. (laughs) Uh, Matt, um, any, any criticism of Ben Simmons for handling uh, the draft process this way? Is it warranted or even reasonable? I say that because I read a column yesterday where they said Ben Simmons is uh, approach to this draft is flawed. um, It's nonsensical. Uh, so on and so forth, that it's a mistake. Can I just point out that I think that's ridiculous to oh, start? Oh, it is. It is ridic- ahead, no, it, it is ridiculous. And here's why I would say, just to, to add on, um, it's ridiculous because if you're going to call it a mistake, then you got to tell me it's a mistake because this could happen. 
it's a mistake because it could lead to this. Best I can tell, and Sam, please, Matt, you, you as well, correct me if I'm wrong. Best I can tell, the draft, even if Ben Simmons never leaves his house between now and next Thursday night, is going to go one of two ways for Ben Simmons. One way it will go is that the Sixers actually, like, say, you know what, if he's not going to deal with this and he doesn't want to be here, then we'll just take Brandon Ingram, which means Ben Simmons would actually get what he wants. That's one scenario. He would get what he wants. By the way, do we know that that's what Ben wants? <laughs> well, if it wasn't, then he, yeah, somebody would have already said that, right? I mean, it's been out there since the lottery. Like, uh, if well, here's the thing, though, like, it's kind of been out there from, you know, shoe executives and everything plus it, like plus that. Plus, it's common sense. I feel, like, I feel like we haven't heard it from Ben or anything. Well, like Ben's been silent this entire circumstance, yeah. which he should be. Don't right. get me wrong. Like, I think that he should be, but like, I'm not sitting here going. Yeah, it's for sure that Ben Simmons wants to go to Los Angeles. Like, I, guess, I guess I would say two, I get the appeal of it, yeah. but it, I'm just like not certain of it either. I guess I would say two things to that. One, it would be Philadelphia suicide to for Ben Simmons to say I would rather be in L.A. and then actually have to become a Sixer. You and you just don't want to get right. involved in that. So he should shut up. Um, if 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 it weren't the case. If Ben Simmons wanted to be the number one pick in the draft, then then that is something he would have said by now. And beyond that, it's just common sense. Like you'd rather be like for all the reasons stated before, you'd rather be a, a Los Angeles Laker as a rookie than a Philadelphia 76er as a rookie. Like the, the Lakers sure. are going to be Lakers are going to be on TV 20 something times next year, no matter who's on the roster, just because it's the Lakers. You know, you don't get right. that with other franchises. So I think a his silence says something, and b it's just common sense. Like like to be clear, I would rather if I'm Ben Simmons be a Laker than a Sixer. So uh, to get back to the point I was trying to make. There's only two ways this could unfold. He could actually force Philadelphia or at least make Philadelphia pass on him, which leads to him getting what he wants, being an L.A. Laker. Or let me be clear, getting to what I believe he wants, being an L.A. Laker. And the only alternative to that is he's the number one pick in the 2016 NBA draft. Like literally the worst thing that could happen to him by handling the draft process this way uh, is that he's the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. So Norlander, like, am I missing something or like, what's the big deal? This is, if I were advising Ben Simmons, I would advise him to handle it the same way. I think that's generally pretty on the nose. Um, you know, could develop something of a, of a reputation of being a little, a little high maintenance, uh, early on. Don't know if that'll really matter much down the road, depending on. He already the has that reputation already though. So it doesn't really yeah, affect I know, it what I'm now. That is, I don't know if that will wind up even mattering whatsoever if a really really good player now if he doesn't and obviously this this kind of stuff could have um impact on future earnings and contracts and dealings down the road we'll see i think it's reasonable you usually see this every few years both at the nfl and the nba level because occasionally we do have situations most notably in nfl history the two players that flat out told teams they would not be going to play for them were john elway with the baltimore colts and Eli Manning refused to play for the San Diego Chargers when he ended up going to the Giants. So I get it overall. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I don't know if there's too much of a downside. Um, I wonder what the the better fit will be for him overall. Um, I think there is something to him wanting to play with L.A., obviously because of the franchise, because of the track record, both with L.A. and both with Philly. And, and by the way, you know, I don't know how tied he is to his home country, but, um, you know, Los Angeles to Australia is a lot easier than, than, than Philly to Los Angeles to Australia as well. Um, so there, mm-hmm. there could be certainly something to that as well. Overall, I think he's going to 
no matter what situation you put him in, uh, I would think that Simmons personally will. I don't. I don't know if his career is going to be affected that much by whatever organization he goes to. Um, with, but I think with Ingram at number two, uh, personally, I think I think Ingram would be better suited in LA uh, to start off with than than Philadelphia. It's pretty interesting. I would say that these two these two players and what Simmons is is doing and has done um, is really some of the most interesting parts of this draft because in a lot of ways it's kind of blah. Um, I guess what Boston will wind up doing is is fairly interesting because they they could move it if they want. Um, there are plenty of options there, uh, but overall, this does seem like a draft void of a ton of storylines. Now maybe that changes once the finals finish here. I'm recording this on Thursday. So who knows if we're even going to a game seven or if the finals finish and we wake up on Friday and we've got six days until the draft and we have big coverage there. But overall, guys, I don't blame Simmons' camp for the way that he's doing this, but it's just not – I don't think it's the route that necessarily I would take. Meantime, it has been reported by, I believe, basketball insiders that Denzel Valentine has a, quote, fairly significant knee issue uh, that could cause him problems on a draft night. Um Sam, how, how do you make sense of this if you're an NBA team? If they tell you, here's a guy who's a lottery talent, but long-term, he's going to have a knee issue. Long-term, it's going to cause problems. We don't know when, but we believe at some point it will. How do you balance those things? Shout out to Basketball Insiders for breaking that story. That's a good one. That's a good uh, one. I would say that the way that that's going to kind of affect Denzel is really interesting in this draft particularly because I think that it's such a weak draft that you can kind of sell yourself on Denzel Valentine maybe getting a year out of him and, you know, not a year, a full contract out of him, four years, uh, and then maybe cutting bait or maybe kind of evaluating then. If you think this is a longer-term problem, it's going to affect him when he's 26 or 27, not when he's 22. Uh, if you're going to get that kind of value out of him at you know number 15 overall, number 18 overall, number 13 overall in this draft, and you think he's going to be really good, like you think he's going to be able to become a role player for you almost overnight and really shoot the ball well, really move the ball well, uh, I think you can sell yourself on taking him right around where his draft stock was before this reported news. And... Uh, if you think that it's going to come into play a little bit earlier, if you think that your doctors can't really get him on the right kind of treatment plan to, uh, you know, extend this out further into the future, then you kind of have to wonder about whether or not, okay, do we have to move him down to, you know, the 25 to 40 range? Do we move him down to, you know, that end of the first round, early second round range? It's a really, really tough uh, really tough predicament for teams, but it's going to go on a team by team basis where you trust your doctors and see if they feel that th this is a manageable condition versus a condition that will uh, cause problems for him sooner rather than later. Uh, let me ask you a question, uh, Norlander, about uh, the way Denzel came back to school for a senior year, had an amazing senior season, and then was at one point projected as a lottery pick. Who knows if he'll go there now because of this issue, but um, he, he obviously helped himself with a final year of college. Same thing for Buddy Hill. A uh, little random. I hope I'm not catching you off guard, but uh, who are the guys in college that you think could do something similar next year who could go from being a borderline first-round draft pick like Buddy and Denzel uh, were uh, to being people who are, are projected lottery picks uh, as long as health isn't an issue? 
Okay. Um, let me think. So, make that size little jump like Denzel, like Buddy did. Coming back, I think Melo Trimble could. I think that is reasonable if you really had a very, very good year. Uh, he immediately pops to mind. Um, who else would be a good candidate? You see, like, Ivan Rapp doesn't qualify because he's already in that kind of lottery range right now, top 20 range. I'm trying to find someone that would be, like, late first or second round pick. Sam, Does you Grayson know Allen count? Yeah, I would say Grayson he, Allen. I'd say, I'd say probably doesn't count because he was already projected, like, top 20. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, a guy that I like is Jerron Blossom game. Uh, six foot seven guy can really shoot it, can create his own shot a little bit. Uh, he's a really good defender, long six foot seven, six foot 10 wingspan was at the combine this year and performed really well. Wouldn't surprise me if we saw him make a bit of a leap next year. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys though. It gets really tricky for the sake of GP's question, both make the leap in terms of draft stock, but have that draft stock largely take such a high jump because they are, you know, at worst second team all American status and probably first team if you want to go. Sure. But he maybe, comparison. maybe Josh Hart is a decent Josh example. Hart's, Josh Hart's actually a pretty decent call um, because he'll have a really good shot at being a top 10 player of influence in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy, Travon Blewett, I think could be interesting. I can't see him being. I can't see Blewett being both top ten in hoops and then like a top ten pick. I could. See I don't think he'd be like top ten. No, uh, maybe like top twenty pick, like Denzel was. Another guy would be Dylan Brooks if he can shoot. If you can get Dylan Brooks to get up to like that thirty-nine percent three-point range. He's a really good athlete. He can attack in the middle. He can uh, defend reasonably well. Uh, he's kind of slow feet a little bit in that same mold as Denzel, but if you can get him to shoot, I really like Dylan Brooks's potential. Not a bad call. GP, any guys that spring to mind for you? Yeah, I'm lo- you know, I would, uh, actually, while I was bringing that up, I was having problems like coming up with names. Um... Uh, I mean, does Tyler Lydon count? I don't think that he would be. Lydon's kind of a guy that's already on the radar in a lot of ways, though. Could Alonzo Trier? Maybe he's still kind of a guy. He's like a five star that was kind of on the uh, on the radar a lot. Would like Malcolm Hill maybe from Illinois, uh, if he drops like twenty five points a game this year, which I mean it's Illinois could happen. He's a good passer, good shooter uh, most of the time. Uh, can kind of do a lot of different stuff. He's not a super athlete, but he can uh, he can kind of do a decent amount of stuff there. Um, trying to think, man, it does get a little bit tricky. I'm trying yeah. to think of like How about this one? older players. Could Nigel Hayes do it? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the key would be the jump shot. I thought about Hayes, but uh, Hayes was kind of on the he was on like the lottery bubble this year, you know coming into the year at least then he had a really bad year uh, as a junior in terms of efficiency if he's an efficient shooter i think that he's probably uh, you know top 16 18 pick next year what about og on an obi on an obi's yeah yeah i mean he's he's really good already like he's already on that radar 
You know, like most people have him as a first round pick for next year already just because of the tremendous talent level that he has as a player. Uh, I mean, he's just a freak athlete. He's six foot eight, six foot nine and crazy wingspan defends like crazy. If he makes that like Oladipo leap offensively, maybe he's like a top 10 pick, top six pick next year. Um, But that's asking a lot. Oh, man, it gets tricky. I mean, if you think that Isaac Copeland from Georgetown, that's a guy I've kind of always been into. Um, Malik Pope, maybe, finally figures it out at San Diego State. Uh, That's a guy, again, though, that's always been on the radar. It's kind of hard to find that uh, older player. Maybe a a guy that I've always kind of liked, maybe not as an NBA player, but maybe could make that leap if he can get the jump shot down is Nigel Williams-Goss at Gonzaga the transfer point guard coming in point guard next year outside of the freshmen that are coming in, the more experienced point guards that are going to be in the draft isn't the best class. Like you have Monte Morris, who's going to be, uh, you know, maybe a borderline first round pick next year, but Nigel Williams Goss is going to have a chance to really move up. I think he's a former McDonald's all American that, uh, you know, was, I think he was first team all pack 12 in his second year at Washington before transferring. So uh, maybe he has a really big year and kind of makes that leap more into the ether. But like you guys said, it's hard to predict these guys, obviously, for a reason. You know who had a really big year at the point guard position not too long ago? Devin Downey. Shout out to Devin Downey. Saw that one coming. <laughs> I, I actually didn't. I started racking my brain. With that. I was like, who's he talking about? Here? Devin Downey's what I'm talking about. Undeniably, that was a big year. He beat Kentucky for crying. He beat John Wall. Yeah, that's that's a great year. Um, great. You know, who had a better week? What a be- so you think Devin Downey had a better weekend than say Derek Willis? Speaking Ooh, of Kentucky, man. Listen, I read the story last week or whenever it was early this week, and it said Derek Willis was found lying in the street. And I was like, okay, you know, I've, I've, I've in fairness, I've laid down, I've laid down in the street before. Man, not outside a car, in the middle of a road. Like, how did he not die? Like, yeah. like, like you've, never, you've never been. To be fair, it's a big body. I mean, it's a big target to miss. He was. He was. That you'd be able to see it. He was in the road, asleep next to his car. The video Matt Norlander uh, posted it earlier today at CBSSports.com. Go check it out. It's on his Twitter feed. It's on my Twitter feed. It's amazing. The cops pull up, (laughs) and Derek Willis. You might think he's dead when you pull up. Like, oh, I would. Oh no, I would assume he's dead. I would assume it's a gunshot wound to the head. You know, that's what I would assume, right? Uh, like he's 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 lying in the court. We're talking about Derek Willis, who plays at Kentucky. He he's lying on a road next to his car, passenger door open. He's just like asleep on the road. Like it really is amazing on some level. He's like alive. Like that's how you die. You go to sleep on a road in the middle of the night, and somebody runs over you. That's how you die. Like I oh. I I've uh, listen. I, I've had too much to drink before. <laughs> once or twice have you ever been have you ever been that drunk parish honest be honest have you ever been that drunk oh sure but like never drunk enough to where i'd I'd lie down i wouldn't get behind the wheel of a car if i was that drunk i have done this um and all of this is like back when i was young and irresponsible but now i'm so mature yeah it was like when i was 36 no um i when i was young like i i can remember being that drunk like leaving downtown or leaving a, a casino and but i'd never drive my car like i would either get a ride home or i would i would uh i've slept in my car before i was like dude i cannot drive like there's no scenario in which i could drive and so i've slept inside of my car like i can remember one night 
long night out downtown Memphis and um, just had too much to drink and it was time to go home. And I went to the parking garage and I was like, there's, I cannot drive. This is crazy. And I just like got into my car in the parking garage and just like went to sleep. And I woke up at some point with like a security guard knocking on the window like, yo, man, you cannot sleep in the parking garage. And then I figured it out from there. But like it never occurred to me to pull over on the side of the road. Like that's what he did. He pulled over on the side of the road, got out of his car and laid down and went to sleep. Like that's that's Lady crazy. Did- he did not get charged with any sort of... Which is wild to me a little bit. Like, he got a break well, there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the area. I don't know all of that. But clearly, you know, if they, if they had the evidence to do it, they would have done it. it. Very lucky that he didn't get hurt, that he didn't hurt anyone else. I mean, honestly, because those are the situations that can go really bad. want to point out that he was found after 4.30 in the morning. Um, and he was still that intoxicated. Um, Kentucky still hasn't released any sort of official statement on the matter. Um, Willis might not be a, a name that a lot of people are totally familiar with, but he did start to have at least something of a role on last year's team. And the expectation is, although Kentucky will be loaded next season, that I could see him garnering similar minutes. He's not a starter. He's not a star or anything like that. But Kentucky fans know who Derek Willis is. And yeah, man, it is uh, it is not the kind of headline that you want. Uh, this makes now two seasons in a row. Granted, both incidents happened in in the off season. I guguess one was the preseason, where you know blue blood top ten programs have had issues with uh, players being wasted around vehicles. We had the Indiana situation, which was um, much more serious, and that involved multiple players, and one of them had to go to the hospital and all of that, and now you have Willis. I'll be interested to see what Calipari does. He's actually, as we record this, he is at the U.S. Open outside of his hometown of Pittsburgh, so he hasn't said anything yet. But uh, Shout out to the hometown of Pittsburgh. Sam knows all about that. But, yeah, I mean, listen, this is, you know, this is another Kentucky headline, one they don't, they certainly don't want, um, and we'll wait to see if we get any sort of, any more details. But just honestly, like, it's it's a crazy situation. I've never had... I'm not a huge drinker to begin with. Like I, I rarely drink, but I've never, when I have been drunk, I've never once, even in my drunken state, thought that I should or could drive. That's I'm I'm thankful that I don't have that wiring because I have had plenty of friends and plenty of people listening to this podcast either have done it, have friends that have done it, have friends that have gotten DUIs. I've had friend, I've had a buddy who got a DUI after he flipped his Wrangler and really probably should have died and didn't was very lucky not to have died. Um, and credit to him after that, like he's never even once even remotely thought about drinking and driving again, but it's awful that it had to get to that point. But I've just never gotten to that where I thought, yeah, no, I know sh- I can totally drive right now. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. honestly, it's one of the most irresponsible, most dangerous things you could ever do to someone. And yet it, it just, it just seems like, I don't know, I don't want to get all totally societal and, 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 and political on this, but it just seems like it's one of those things that's always going to be part of our society. It sucks. Like people just... They, they go to college, they drink too much, they think they can do this. And he is so lucky that he didn't kill himself or kill anyone else, wasn't behind the vehicle. And it's just the most bizarre scene to see him sleeping door open outside of his car at 4.37 in the morning when the cops find him. To your point, um, and, and this is an, it, it's a problem everywhere, but it's especially a problem in the United States because I, I think people know who listen to the podcast regularly. We, you know, Kelly and I have had uh, exchange students before, one from Germany and one from Italy. And our German was first. And one time we had people over. It was, you know, our, uh, Diana was with us. And we had people over. It was like a little party, like the type of party you have after you're married and have multiple kids. You know, like you ain't really partying, but like people are coming over and drinking and doing whatever they do. 
And folks got ready to leave. Keep in mind, she's like 17 years old. And folks were getting ready to leave. And she was like, whoa, 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 where are you going? To like one of my friends. And he was like, I'm going home. Like he'd had a couple beers. Like he like it technically probably shouldn't have been driving. But like there was nothing abnormal about him getting in his car and driving. You know, given at least the... the the way I grew up, like it, it wasn't crazy for him to be in his car going home. Like he wasn't drunk, slurring his words, anything like that. She flipped out. She could not under. She was like, "What do you mean you're driving home?" He's like, "I'm driving home. What are you talking? What are you? Why are you yelling at me?" She's like, "You you had a beer. I saw you." He's like, "Yeah, I had a beer. It's fine. It's not fine." And so later on, she and I had this conversation. I was like, "Well, that was kind of wild. I appreciate you being, like, uh, uh, I appreciate you caring, but like, where does that come from?" She was like, where, she's like, where I, she's like, I don't even know anybody who's ever had a DUI. Like, it just, it just, we don't do that. Like, you just do not drink and drive under any circumstances. You just do not do it. And, you know, then we got into all these different culture conversations. She was like, also like premarital uh, sex without a, or like sex without a condom. It just does not happen. She's like, I, she had never seen a pregnant teenager in her life until she got here. And then there, um. were, there, there were five in her high school here. She had never seen or heard about a pregnant. She just didn't know any. She couldn't believe it. She, I was like, well, like, do you guys not do it? She was like, of course we do. Like, what are you talking about? She looked at me like I was old and stupid. And she was like, but like, you know, like we, don't have un, we don't have unprotected sex. Like, I don't understand all you Americans. Like, you Americans are crazy. You're just drinking and driving all the time, having unprotected sex all the time. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. We are crazy. Like, I, I understand where you're coming from. But it was just such a, a shock. Like, it, what the way she dis- she was blown away by how casually Americans will drink and drive but you know back to the original point like the Derek Willis story is crazy it looks like he just started driving recognized he couldn't pulled over as best he could got out of his car and went to sleep in the road like I, I, I've never even plus heard you, of anybody doing that and plus you're a Kentucky player like you know that Cal has just put these players and he's not he's not a freshman he's a senior to be you know so many seminars and mornings and know who you are know when you're a part of this program and on this team, everyone will know you in this town, in this state. Um, so that's what makes it even a little more surprising. Um, we'll be interested to see what kind of punishment comes down. Cause I would expect that there has to be something. Um, I don't know if it'll be strictly off season or, or Cal will straight up and say, you know, no, he's going to be suspended for the first few games of the season. I don't know. We'll how, see. But how, I, I would, I would think Kentucky should do something. How perfect is it that, Calipari hasn't uh, made any statements on Derek Willis sleeping in the road while intoxicated yet, but managed to find time to take a shot at Rick Pitino this week. <laughs> he can't comment on, on Derek Willis sleeping in the middle of a road, but he can take a shot at, uh, at Rick Pitino. If you haven't seen that story yet, uh, you can also find it at cbssports.com. Well, let's get out of here. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast uh, on iTunes. That's the quickest way to get your hands on the latest episodes. So go do that. And we'll talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.